I'll tell you what, in these first nine verses that we're going to look at, God tells us three unbelievable things that he does for his children that I think sometimes we forget. And I don't know about y'all, I'm glad today to know that I'm one of God's chosen. He called me one day, that we've been elected to be part of the family of God. And because of that, we've been enriched with all that his grace has to offer. And I don't know about you, but since I got saved, since he called me out, he has greatly enriched my life. And if you're enriched by him and you've uh, his elected, friends, I want you to understand something. No matter what happens, no matter how bad it may look, and no matter how bad we may fail, we are established for eternity to be with him as his family, his children. And God is faithful to make that happen. And I want you to look at it with me here. Paul's writing to a church, the church in Corinth. Of all the churches that I've ever looked at in the New Testament, Corinth is undoubtedly the worst. You can tell right away. Everywhere I've ever lived, in Tennessee, in Louisiana, in Mississippi, though, I'll come across churches named Corinth Church. <laughs> and I've wondered, why in the world would they name their church that? Have they not read First and Second Corinthians and seen what kind of church they were? But you know what? Corinth, though it had lots of problems, though it was divided from within, they were suing one another, they were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, <laughs> they was rampant immorality within them. Look what God says about this church through the Apostle Paul when you look. Paul's saying right here in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And look what he says in verse 2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. When he says that, our Lord, both theirs and ours, and he says, called to be saints with all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord. He's including everyone, every one of us. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him. In all utterance, or some Bibles say all speech, and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that you may come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, that's a lot of stuff to be happening in our life because of our being saved. And then look at what he says. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, out of all the things that will ever happen to you, there is nothing better, nothing greater, nothing that will make a more of an impact for you than to be called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ, to be in fellowship not only with him, but with his people. And I don't know if you really ever thought about how that happened. We tend to have thought and made it today where, well, you went to church, your family was Baptist, or you went to a Baptist church, or your family was this, you go to church, and one day you walk the aisle, you went up to the preacher, you believed the gospel, but guys, listen, no one got saved unless they was first called by God. He calls us by name. 
You get saved individually, one person at a time, not through a system. I want you to look. God is in charge of how he calls us. And look at what Paul says right here in verse 1. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Just as Paul was called by Jesus to be an apostle by the will of God, none of us have entered into the fellowship of our Lord Jesus Christ without God calling you, choosing you to pull you out of darkness into his light. Look at what Paul says how many times. Look at verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, that means set apart. When he says to the church of God, the word church is the word ecclesia. It means called out ones. Those who are called out. And then when he says those who will be sanctified, that word sanctified literally means those who are separated for God to be holy like him. And so he's saying that this church, the church of Corinth, in spite of all the things you find when you read the letters, Paul's saying this is the church of God. These are the people who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord, both theirs and ours. And then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this, but the Bible is, speaks unbelievable about God's calling us and choosing us to salvation as a matter of fact if you look in first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24 just listen it says he who calls you is faithful who also will do it (laughs) he's called us he's faithful in second Thessalonians he says but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you brethren beloved by the Lord because God from the beginning chose you for salvation You didn't get saved by accident. You didn't get saved one day because you decided to get saved. Because no one got saved unless first God called you and he chose you and he drew you and he did a lot of stuff in your life that made it possible for you to have understanding knowledge to be saved. Peter says it this way. Peter said that those of us who are the called, the chosen, the elect of God, he says, but we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim his praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says, just as he who called you is holy, you be holy in your conduct. He says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. I know sometimes we get caught up in this election and the call of God, and we wonder, oh, is that going to... But friends, listen, no matter what you want to believe or not believe, it's in the Bible. No one came to God unless he first called us, and he chose us, and there is an elect of God. Even Jude says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called and sanctified in God. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 13, verse 20. He says, unless the Lord had shortened those days... No flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. So Jesus said that during the tribulation he's talking about, he says that unless those days would have been shortened, that the deception, the tribulation was so difficult that even for the elect's sake, whom he had chose, he shortened those days. It says, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect. 
The elect are those who are saved. If you're not saved today, that's not you. Friends, listen, Jesus says this in Mark chapter 13, verse 27. And then, talking about when he returns, and then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the Father's part of the earth to the Father's part of heaven. Paul said that he did what he did and preached like he preached and ministered like he did. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also might obtain the salvation which Christ has provided for his glory. Guys, listen, when we look at this, I sometimes to forget, but the grace of God did things to call you, to call you out of the world like everybody else. When we look around at everybody, we wonder what's wrong with them. Guys, they haven't heard the effectual call of God. They haven't realized that God's chosen them and that there's an elect and a remnant by grace that God has got on the earth. I don't know about y'all, but when you realize that there's a day that the gospel was being preached and all of a sudden something so big and so great that it influenced your heart, it drew you to the place that not only did you believe in Jesus, you called on Jesus and you've been calling on him ever since. Because listen what he says in that verse right there. The elected children of God, what a blessing to be saved today, to be part of his family, to be under his care. I want you to look at what he says. He says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know about you, but I can remember when it happened to me, it was, I couldn't stop, I couldn't help. There was something happened that day that I was going to give my heart to Jesus. I'm going to get an amen. I remember Diane telling me, she said, I went to church, I just went there to ask God to forgive me. Next thing I knew, I was at the front of the altar talking to the preacher, getting saved, and our life changed. God called her out of darkness. Friends, listen, for 33 years, I lived believing in Jesus. I lived in a fear of God. I believed he created everything, but I was in darkness. I never heard him call me. I'd never been saved. Friends, listen, everybody who's saved was called by God's grace, by his truth and his gospel, and they were chosen, and they were part of the elect. And I want to show you how he does that. See, the unbelievable thing is it's all by grace. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, and it is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, as anyone should boast. You see, God's grace provided what you needed to be saved. You had to have faith. Where did faith come from? Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. God takes His gospel, the power of His truth, and He takes His spirit, and as it's preached and it's spoken and he gives utterance and he gives knowledge, people hear that. They take the knowledge of God's salvation, his gospel, they, and they get saved and God calls them into salvation. Look at what he says right here. He says that those of us who have been called, who have been chosen, who have called on the name of Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father. He says, I thank my God. Look at verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you. For the grace of God which was given to you by Christ. There it is again. It's given to you. And the Bible says that the grace that God gave us, that you look about in Ephesians, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And now it says what? For now we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What's that mean? We are the workmanship of God. God is at work in everybody that his grace saves. 
doing something, changing us, making his life known to us. And friends, look, we are the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he predestined beforehand that we should walk in them. And I want you to see, and you're going to identify with this if you look, And remember when you got saved, look at what he says. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you, that you were enriched in everything by him. I don't know about you, but since he called me, since I called back to him, since he come into our life and chose us, I don't know about y'all, but it ain't like church. It ain't like being religious. When you know him and you're in the fellowship of Jesus Christ, his son, and God is faithful who has called us he's going to be faithful my friend to not just get you to walk an aisle get dumped and then go about business as usual god's going to enter into your life and the riches of his grace is going to be activated in a person's life that's the unbelievable truth of salvation it ain't just you get your name on a list and you get in on a church roll and you live and get by and then go to heaven Heaven comes to you and the life of Christ enters into your life. And friends, look at what Paul says happens here. He says that you were enriched in everything by him. You know how you got saved? You was enriched by his grace through Jesus in all utterance. That's all speak, speaking and all knowledge. You know what God does when he saves somebody? He takes the Bible, he speaks, he gives utterance. Not just where you hear with your ears but you hear with your spirit. You hear it deep down within your soul what the gospel has to say. That we're all sinners separated from God. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. And it begins to not just be something you've heard all your life. It begins to be something that you realize is an influence in your life. That you have done that. And it says that the wages of that sin is death. But then you hear, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And he uses the gospel to speak, to give utterance into your spirit. God calls people, my friend. He brings them under conviction. He draws them by the spirit. Every time you hear the word of God and you experience utterance from heaven, the speaking of God, that's what he's talking about. You get knowledge. And you know what Jesus said? The Bible says that God desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth i don't know about you are you excited about the knowledge that god's been given to you that he's blessed you with because listen you didn't get smart one day and figure it out god's grace helped you he enlightened you he showed you the things that you know about jesus this morning friends he's talking right there he says that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge god took his word. He put people in your life that were saved. He gave them power to speak the things of God. Listen what Paul said about when he preached to this church in Corinth. When he went to Corinth, there was no church. There was no presence of Jesus' gospel being preached. And Paul shows up, and look at what he says to them in chapter 2. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. But you know what I hear people in the church talk about today? When they talk about what they've been hearing preached to them, they very seldom talk about it was anointed. The man had unction. I mean, it was the power of God. What they talk about is the human part of it. I liked his, I liked his 
delivery. I like his personality. I like the way, I like he didn't preach real long. <laughs> or I liked his style. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. He said, for I determined not to do anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, that's all I knew. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And listen to what he says. And my speech and my preaching and my speech, that's his utterance, and my preaching, the content of his preaching, the knowledge that he had, were not with persuasive words of wisdom. If you're waiting for a preacher to persuade you, you're going to stay unpersuaded and never change. Because it's not a preacher's words that persuades people. It's the power of God taking those words. And there's a lot of gifted preachers with oratory skills and they're like superstores we, we, they're like celebrities but friends all of that without utterance given by God without the unction and the power of God doesn't save people I don't know about you but if you really got saved somewhere God had someone who had the power of unction on their life that shared the message with you and what he spoke God used to call you do you remember when it happened he turned the light on amen it was dark one day and the next day you heard truth and truth set you free and man it's been working in your life ever since and now the word of God is important to you what a man preaches in the life he lives is important to you because you want to have unction you want to have the word uttered into your life because that's what's not only going to save you that's what's going to change you that's what God's going to do he uses the power of his word look what Paul said he says in my speech in verse 4 of chapter 2 in my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of a man but in the power of God, if there's anything lacking in the church today, we're filled with the wisdom of men, with people who speak eloquently and talk all about the Word of God, who has it all broke down and outlined and can teach it. But even in myself, I say, Lord, where's the power to convict people? Where's the power to wake them up in the death and darkness of their sin and help them see that this applies to them? And guys, listen, Paul said that on this day, when he preached back in the beginning, he says that you were enriched with everything in him, Jesus, in all utterance, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. I don't know about you, but God, you want to know what God's primary purpose is for your life and my life? To confirm, to conform the image of his son in each one of our lives to help us to be from being in the world, to con transform us to be kingdom-minded people who represent any or examples of his son. Friends, when you look at this, it's unbelievable. Paul even prayed for this. He told the Ephesian church, As for me, pray that utterance may be given to me, that I might open my mouth with boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul himself, who wrote the majority of what we study in the New Testament epistles, said, Listen, church, as for me, please pray for me, that utterance may be given to me. 
for a preacher or anybody to stand, a Sunday school teacher, if it's going to have any spiritual impact and influence and change your life, that person has to be with God, walking with God, and he needs people praying that God might give him the gift that comes from God's grace to have utterance to impact your life. But I want to ask you, how much you pray for a preacher to preach? How much you say, Lord, I hope you get him so anointed that we can't stand it. God, you see, we just come. We say, well, the preacher seemed kind of down and out. I wish he would cheer up. Preacher, don't you get down. We depended on you to cheer us up. <laughs> if you depended on me to cheer you up, you in a world of hurt, my friend. God didn't call me to cheer you up. He didn't call me to correct you. He called me to preach this book and for this book to speak into your life and this book to do the things that this word does. If this word is to have any impact, it must be quickened this morning. It must be given life. It must have the ability to go by God's grace and enter into our hearts. Friends, so many times we go to church. Did you really expect to hear from God? Was you really expecting this morning that God would take this book and give it such power that the demonstration of it would be that when you left, you would just leave saying God's word is unbelievable, that it's spoken to your life. It's one thing to want to know what it says it's another thing to have it do what it says in our life. And friends, that's one of the great gifts that God's grace has enriched us. Not only does it enrich us with what he's mentioning here, with all utterance, which all speaking and all knowledge as it confirms in us the testimony of Jesus, but everything that we have that God does is by grace. The grace for us to overcome sin, the grace for us to walk in righteousness all comes and it starts with God speaking into our life. And friends, I don't know about you, but it's unbelievable today to think that God's grace calls people, chooses them, brings them into the group of the elect children, and then he utters and speaks into their lives. Today, it's so rare to get under the anointing of a spiritual empowered anointing sermon that most of us is so used to not doing it that we've just become adapted to not ever experience it. Friends, I don't know about you, but when you get under a place where God showed up and God anointed, he don't do it every Sunday. I'm here the first to tell you. I wish every Sunday when you got in the pulpit, God has put you under the spout and he just poured out on you. But you know what I think's happened? Friends, you can get distracted. And you can let yourself get focused on the wrong thing. And friends, we can come to church and be like this church was. See, the problem wasn't with what God did to them when he saved them and he called them and he chose them and they became his elect. And what did Paul say about it? He says they are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. They were the children of God. They were the church of God in Corinth. They were there. It wasn't wrong. They were the real deal that God had saved them. But the problem was they were immature. They were divided. They had all these things that they had let the world. You see, there's the church that God sees. That's how God sees the church. That's how God said the church ought to be. But you know what Paul says? Paul said, but this is how y'all really are in practice. When you get to verse 10, look at what he says about them. He says, now I plead with you, brethren. Now I want you to notice he's calling them brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's, they're saved. But he says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. 
that there be no divisions among you. How can y'all speak the same and not be divided? You're getting utterance from God. And you're getting knowledge from his word. And when we're all hearing from God together and we're all having the knowledge that God wants us to have together from his word, guess what? We're going to be together. We're going to be unified. Look at what he says right there. Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. May I tell you, there's no way that can happen in a group of 100 individuals unless grace does it, unless God does it. We can't do it because we know that's what it ought to be like. You can only do it when you are under the utterance and speaking of the truth of God and the knowledge of God is what you're building your life on and the testimony of Christ is being confirmed in you. That's why he's doing it. And the more we become like Jesus, the more we become one. The more the life of Christ begins to manifest us and control us, the more we become joined together. But the more divided you are, the more strife there is, the more you're not like Jesus. Because listen to what Paul tells them here. He tells them not to be that way. Look at verse 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, there it is again, by those of Chloe's household, that there's contentions among you. There was contentions among you. You know how bad the contentions were? When you go look in chapter 6, they're bringing each other to the secular courts and suing one another. Paul said, man, you ain't supposed to be suing one another. You ought to be able to judge between yourselves. It would be rather for you to receive wrong than to go into a court of the lost Gentiles and fight and argue. They were suing each other. You know what else they were doing? They were full of immorality to the point he says that's not even amongst the Gentiles that a son is sleeping with his father's wife. That was going on in there. All kinds of things was going on. But God still called them. How could that happen? How could you get that divided? Well, when you look at the church, and you look at what Paul says, right here in chapter 2, he goes on, he says, I mean in chapter 3, and here it is again. He's speaking to saved people. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal as to babies in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. And look at what he says. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like just mere plain men? And here they were. They had access to all of this grace that was there to enrich them. And they were divided over things like that. And friends, listen, today we allow so easily ourselves to be distracted. You know, when I come to church, all we talk about, all we hear everywhere I go is either, and I pray for Afghanistan, I pray for the Afghanistan people to be saved and for those who are saved to be found the help of God, but that's what we're supposed to do. But I'm going to tell you something, guys. We got to quit talking about politics. We got to quit making that the focus of who we are. We got to quit talking about this COVID. Yeah, it's here. Yes, it's bad. We got to start talking about what God can do and what He's faithful to do. 
Friends, God never ever said that he was faithful to keep America great till Jesus comes back. God never said that he was faithful to keep you healthy and wealthy till Jesus comes back. Jesus said, I'm faithful to stick with you until the end and never leave you nor forsake you. But that means in difficult times, in good times, in the valley, on the mountain, and everything else in between. But my primary purpose and why I saved you and left you here was to recreate the image of my son in you, to fill you with all the riches of my grace so that I can give you gifts and spiritual abilities and enablement to serve me and win the lost and change the world for my glory and for the benefit of your lost neighbor that's going to wake up in hell. You think COVID's bad? COVID ain't nothing till eternity in hell. But all we talk about, all we are distracted with is COVID, America, poor America, poor, we got a pitiful president. We deserve what we got. Friends, I'll tell you what, we ought to be thinking. We might not have leadership like we wish we had. America might not be what it used to be. But the kingdom of God has not changed. It never will. The king's still on the throne. He's still in charge. And by God, I don't know who you under. I'm under Jesus. If I die tomorrow, I'm going to be with Jesus. If I live tomorrow, I'm going to live for Him and serve Him. I'm going to preach His Word. I'm going to ask for power. I'm going to stand on the truth. I'm going to say, Lord, help me to have unction to disturb a comfortable person sitting in the church that don't want to do nothing but be religious. Help me make him want to get right. Lord, for the person who is right, who's hurting and who's in pain, Give me something to comfort him, Lord. Lord, tell him, quit looking around and look up. I know it's bad, but get your head up. Jesus is king. He's on the throne. Look to our help. Because Jesus ain't went nowhere. If you ain't experiencing him, if you ain't feeling him in your life, you're the person who's drifted. You're the person who's lost focus. If you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, you won't walk around worrying every day. You won't be all, whoa, it's me, the chicken little, sky is falling. You'll be praising God that I got saved one day. I heard the effectual call of God. He called me out of darkness and brought me into his light. He chose me. I'm a child of the king. I'm a person of the elect. And there might not be but a remnant, but praise God, I'm part of it. And he's enriching me by the power of his grace. And his grace is working in my life. And I get up sometimes and I don't want to pray. Sometimes I don't even pray. But he don't quit because he's faithful. Because I'm part of the fellowship of his son. Can I get an amen? I didn't know. I didn't do nothing to earn it. I can't do nothing to lose it. God did it all for me. And now all I know is I wake up every day and Jesus is with me. I try to get away from Jesus sometimes. You can't. You say, oh, he's ungodly. He tried to get away from Jesus. You do too. You just don't admit that's what it is. Anytime you're doing something you ain't supposed to do, you try and get away from Jesus. Anytime you won't do what you're supposed to do, you try and get away from Jesus. And you know what? I don't do everything I'm supposed to do, but Jesus just watches me. He says, you're going to learn one day it'd be better if you just do what I told you. And if you'd quit doing that, you'd be happier. If you quit doing what you ain't supposed to do, you'd have more joy, you'd have more peace. But no, just go on out there and get all the world you want. And when you get tired of it, I'm that old prodigal father. I'm waiting for you to wake up and come to your senses and say, the hog pen ain't what I thought it was, Jesus. Would you please let me come home? You see, the good news is that if he ever started a work in you, Paul said, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He ain't going to quit because you mess up. He ain't going to quit because America fell apart. He ain't going to quit because we're under a pandemic. Jesus will never quit for his elect. 
He will continue to enrich us with all that his grace has to offer. And I want to tell you something, man. You start thinking about that, you'll forget about what Fox told you. You'll forget about all that other bunch. You'll start praising Jesus again. Because I want to show you the last thing. Not only has he elected us, not only is he enriching us, but the Bible says he has established us for all of eternity. And there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. You know what he'll do? He'll rob you of your joy that you should have. He'll take away your peace. He'll take away what God could have done in your life and how his grace could have grown you and matured you. But you'll still be a Christian. You'll be a baby one. You can be a carnal one. Or you can be spiritual. It all depends on what you want out of Jesus. If all you want is to go to heaven, that's all you're probably going to get. But friends, I don't know about you, but listen to what he says here. This is the one who gives me the hope. When I look back there in chapter 1, where we started out, he says in verse 5 that you were enriched in everything by him, Jesus, in all utterance, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testament of Christ was confirmed in you. Look at what he says, so that you come short in no gift. He's given you an enablement, a spiritual gift. And look at what he says, those of us who have experienced this, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I hear a lot of us saying, I'm waiting, but we say it with fear. We, we say we're waiting on Jesus to come back, then we're all worrying about the mark of the beast. I'm going to tell you what, if you're the elect and you've been enriched, you're established. The mark of the beast ain't going to get you. The mark of the beast can get you. You never was got <laughs> by him. Because his grace is what secures us. His grace is what keeps us. The same grace that saved us. Because look at what Paul says right here. This is a powerful verse for the security of the believer, for the perseverance of the saint. He says in verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end. Man, that's good stuff, ain't it, sister? Who also, if he's elected you, chose you, called you, spoke your name, called you into his family, if he's enriched you and his grace is actively involved in your life and changed you, guess what? He's going to confirm you to the end. Can I get an amen? And I don't know about you, that gives me hope. That gives me something to lay down. A lot of times Marvin said, boy, I messed up today, Jesus. I sure blew it again. I sure ain't done what I should have done. But Jesus said, don't worry, I paid for it all and done everything that needed to be done 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. And I am secure in the grace of God. Listen to what he says right there. This is good stuff. He says, who will confirm you to the end, that you not only will he confirm you, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't know what's going to happen to America. But I do know this. One day Jesus is coming back. And those of us who've been elected, chosen, called, those of us who his grace has been effective in our life and he's enriched us and changed us and he's created the image of his son in us and we're being changed day by day by his grace through the fellowship of his son, he's going to establish us. And we're going to stand before him blameless. Guys, listen. That is impossible except for the blood that washes us and cleanses us and prepares us. This is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, listen to what Paul says. 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That word sanctify means make you holy and separate you and set you apart for God. So what he's saying right there is, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's what Paul's telling them. He's praying for them. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely not a little bit, not a lot, completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he says in the next verse? 524. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. That's what he says. He said, he who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Do what? Completely sanctify us and make us blameless in the day of Christ Jesus. I tell you, that's established, amen? And there's a day established when it's going to happen. Jesus said he didn't even know it. He said only the Father knows it. But one day, I love to say this, and it's old, but it's still good. He said one day they're going to toot and we're going to scoot and we all are going to go to where God has established for us to be. I don't know about you, but he established it by grace one day. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe in me also. He says, let not your heart be troubled. For He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. There's a place prepared for each one of us that eternity has made. And one day we're all going to go and be with Jesus. I don't know about y'all. I don't like what's going on. I don't like pandemic church. I don't like pandemic living. Um, I don't like what I see going on in my America. And I surely don't see what I like going on around the world. But I do know this. We're not of the world anymore. We belong to God. This morning, I'm going to just tell you, you need to make sure you know you're saved, friend, that you belong to Jesus Paul said, I mean, Peter said this. He says, to make sure that your call and your election is sure. Friends, God has got his people. And when he gets all of those who he preordained before the beginning of time, that is predestined, that he has chosen to be saved through his son Jesus, when it gets to that point, God's going to say, son, go get them. Go get your church. And he's going to come, and he's coming to get his elect those who have been enriched by his grace, whose eternity has been established all by Jesus. Friends, it's not as bad as you think. It's pretty good (laughs) if you're saved. And friends, the problem is we need to start focusing on what we ought to be doing instead of what's going on around us. We need to be telling people about Jesus. We need to be telling people about his grace. And we need to be letting them know that God can save anyone. Today, I hope someone comes. I was told by Jessica that the other day when they were in here that Jagger seen me standing up here by myself, and I bet sometimes I do look pitiful standing up here. And she said, Jagger said, oh, brother Marvin's all by himself. Let's go up there with him. And she says, well, go up there. If y'all remember, he came up here and he hugged me. He said, I love you, brother Marvin. Well, I'm wondering what's going on. I thought he was fixing to get saved, so I talked to him. And then he just turned around and went back to his mama. (laughs) So I said, what's going on with Jack? She said, he was so funny. He felt so sorry for you. He said it broke his heart to see you standing up there. Don't feel sorry for me, amen? Feel sorry for that person in here who ain't listening to the call, who don't want to let grace have its way with their life, who ain't established and ready to go. Friends, I don't know about y'all. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Me and Jesus are doing all right. My heart is for you. Do you need to be saved today? Do you need to... Have grace 
work in your life today? All you got to do is ask Jesus and he'll do it. But friends, how many of you know that you know that your eternity is set, it's established? So it don't matter about COVID in the end. It doesn't matter about the government in America in the end. What matters is Jesus is coming back and he's not going to leave any behind. They might leave people behind in this world, but Jesus don't leave none of his behind. He comes and he gets his own and he takes everybody home. I hope and pray that every American gets to come home in Afghanistan. I hope and pray that every Afghani that is an immigrant that needs to get out of there gets out of there. But you know what I hope and pray for even more? That no one gets left behind when Jesus comes back. That everybody gets to go home to heaven. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to come on up here and get saved. Amen? God will do it. He's faithful. Maybe you need to come and get some grace. It's a gift. He'll give it to you. Maybe you just need to be reminded that we are his established children. We belong to him. We're purchased, paid for, and a bought possession. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. What are we going to sing, Brother Jonathan? Oh, how he loves. Father in heaven, I want to thank you today that there's people in this room that you've spoken into our lives and called us and enlightened us and brought us out of darkness into your light of your kingdom and that you've been working and your grace is active in our life we can't even explain it all we can say is thank god i'm not like i used to be old things have become new old gone passed away and behold things have come new in christ and lord today for the one who's not saved i pray that you'd help him to see it's just simply putting his trust in Jesus and being willing to trust and follow him. If you're calling him, help him to come and make it public. For those of us who are saved, Lord, remind us that we're all going to leave here one day. Thank God you've made and taken care of that. Our eternity is established in Jesus. So Lord, right now, I pray that you'll move, that you'll touch, and you'll draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.
scheduled to go to camp they get to camp on a Sunday and they come out with masks and tell everybody's got to go home that the camp staff has got COVID and we have to call off the camp so they come home on the way back Sam's on the phone he's calling he's talking to Hannah and where Hannah's working they was having challenge week challenge week she was with them so friends listen anything that gets stopped when God's in it, it ain't stopped. It just got fixed. It got redirected. So they go to Challenge Week over where Hannah's been at Broadmoor. And while they're there, God did what we talked about today. His voice spoke to her voice. Called to her. And guess what? She called to Jesus. And she comes today to say, I, 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 I got saved. And I know for sure now. And I talked with her the other day. Guys, that's an awesome thing. Amen? That God still calls us. You know, last week I preached to y'all about how God miracles happen. That what a miracle is, is God doing something that don't make sense. And that a lot of times when God wants to do a work, what he's wanting us to do don't make sense. When I went home last week, I went home to my house, hopefully to get sanctuary to rest. I get a letter from my home association. We got a little neighborhood association. Guess what? There's strife and division in the <laughs> Mason Ridge. So I'm reading this and it's making me mad. What? We got a meeting tomorrow night at tomorrow evening at five o'clock and they're going to go up 20% and 40% on our dues. I'm like, man, before I could even get over it, people was pulling in my yard. You get one of these? I the whole neighborhood stirred up. And I'm like, goodness. And one of them's like on the phone saying some choice words. Then the other one says, well, you the preacher, you got to be at that meeting tomorrow night because you got to keep us calmed down. I said, hey, let me tell you something. The only one I'm in charge of keeping calm is me. <laughs> you got to keep your own self calm down. So the next day at 5 o'clock, I get on my four-wheel. I'm riding down there. I can see them all down there. I can already tell they, man, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to even have part of it. I was ready to just move, get out of this neighborhood. I go down there, and I just listen, and everybody's talking. Things that happened 10, 15 years ago, they made it some people that's dead. I don't even live there no more. And I just listened. I couldn't take no more, Brother David. And I was praying, Lord, I don't want to get in the flesh. Lord, I, I, but I got to say something. And so I just got up and I said, no, I'm a preacher. And I don't want y'all to think I'm coming up here to be holier than now, but I got to tell y'all something. We'll never get our road fixed. We'll never have God bless this community as long as we keep acting like this. So we got to forgive one another. And I don't even know what I said, Brother Charlie. Next thing I know, it's just pouring out of me. And I'm looking at it, and they're like, and I'm thinking, boy, they're going to be mad at me. They said, here he is now preaching at us. And when I got through, I just said, I love every one of you. You're welcome to my house anytime. 
But I don't know if it's in agreement to everyone, but I want to close this in prayer. And I want to make a motion for now on we open these meetings in prayer because we need God's blessing. And we all need to get along. And some of you need to go shake hands right now, hug. You need to forgive one another. Before we leave, you need to make things right before we go home. And let's all leave here starting over. And when I said it, it was like a bunch of little kids that was in trouble. They was all just sitting there. But it was different. They wasn't mad. They was ashamed in Jesus' name. They was convicted. So I said, look, y'all do what you got to do. I love y'all. Next month, had the meeting at my house in my shop. I'll let y'all come. So I go home. I start getting texts. Thank you for making a bad thing good. I've seen more happen in progress today than I've seen in 10 years. You know what? God, you never know where and how he's going to do it. All we got to be willing to do is represent. Stand up for him. And there ain't nobody here that can't do that. And Jesus is depending on us. The greatest thing we'll ever do for America is to quit talking about America and start talking about Jesus again. Quit talking about all the mess you're hearing and all this Facebook junk and put good gospel, Jesus, God-honoring truth everywhere you go. Truth will do more to fix the error than talking about the error. How you overcome it? By telling the truth. Guys, we got to quit letting the devil catch us up in all this. We aren't called to stand up for American rights. We're called to stand up for the gospel and preach Jesus and I want to encourage you I'm trying not to get caught up in it it's hard to do I went to Jonathan's house and I said I'm not going to talk about none of this I'm going to talk to Jonathan before I left we got to talking about it me and him are the worship leader and the preacher I am determined to make Jesus the primary thing I talk about again how about you and I want to ask us to pray and let's do that as the church amen amen well I love you I know we done gone over a little bit. Before y'all leave, y'all come and let Allie know you're proud of her. We're going to get her baptized before long. Let's go out there and let's show people what can happen when Jesus shows up. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the work you're doing in our life, that your grace, the abundant riches that you're pouring out on us. Thank you that our eternity is established, that you chose us one day, and Lord, we belong to you now for all of eternity. And I pray now as we give on the way out that we'll honor you with our giving and that you'll give us, Lord, the church, a heart, a desire, a passion to once again, Lord, to once again be focused primarily on you, that you will be our first love, that we'll talk about you, focus on preaching your word, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.